Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving our kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely a messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. This episode was, of course, another incredible conversation around fatherhood. It was very fun for me. I got to go sit in Brian Sumner's living room and talk fatherhood. Now, he is a skateboarder that I have always enjoyed watching and seeing the transition of pro skater to evangelist. Um, most of you may know Brian Sumner. But he's a professional skateboarder from England, moved over to the United States at age of 15. He's a husband, a father, and a lover of God. He is so full of energy, and he's just a joy to be around. I know you will just hear his smile through uh, through his words as we talked about fatherhood. Now, before we get in this conversation, just a reminder that the Fatherhood Legacy Journal is still on Kickstarter. We need all hands on deck to go get a journal, support the cause, fatherhood matters, and this journal is super dope, okay? This is a three-month journal. It has monthly planning, daily questions, monthly review, and monthly training exercises to help us be the fathers we desire to be. Go and find it at Rebel and Create on Facebook and follow us. Go find it on Instagram at Rebel and Create and follow us. Or just go straight to Kickstarter and look up Rebel and Create Fatherhood Legacy Journal. Uh, we need your support to hit our crowdfunding goal and you need a journal. And then stay tuned because we're going to do a 31-day fatherhood challenge come January. Get ready to enjoy a fun conversation around fatherhood. All right. Uh, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm sitting here in Brian Sumner's house, uh, super stoked to hang out and talk about fatherhood with this guy, because uh, I know he's got a wealth of knowledge around life. And so, man, thanks for having me in your house. Of course. It's uh, it's kind of cool. I'm not the one damn, interviewing someone. I'm being interviewed, so it's cool. A little less pressure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where we're going to go, so the Lord's good, though. So, yeah, yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't need a big introduction. Mm -hmm. You are skateboarder, mm -hmm. lover of Jesus, and Amen. an extreme, extreme man. And, uh, and I laugh a lot too. And you so laugh a lot and you're ready. always smiling. That's good. That's good. So yeah, I wanted to come and I wanted to talk to you about fatherhood. Yep. I mean, Google your name and you can have as many skate videos as you want or as many videos talking, you know, specifically about mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to go, okay, we've all... We, if we know Brian Sumner, we know a lot of this stuff. So I want to dig into the fatherhood piece, yep. okay? Because a lot of us skateboarders are now dads. Yeah. And navigating that is, yeah, there's no manual for it. It's hectic. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. It so that's what we'll get into. So um, just a couple questions just to give people a little bit more understanding. So yeah, how old are you now? I am 40 as of June 2nd. Happy yeah. birthday, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> and how many kids do you have? I have three. I have um, a 19-year-old in the room behind us, and my daughter Eden, who's 12. My son Jude, who's nine. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's crazy. It's amazing, though. Yeah. <laughs> and how many years have you been married? We will be. I think it's. We always say 19 or 20. What coming up this December? So you know, we were married, separated, fully divorced, 
remarried um, and that's why there's even a gap between the 19 year old and the 12 and the yeah. 9 so it's crazy yeah yeah <laughs> and now what do you do every day now so it's like you 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 have this skateboard career you have this mm-hmm. you know pastor career what is it that you do on a kind of the, your daily life to provide for your family if you said to the lord who is brian he'd say brian's it's definitely the office of an evangelist and by that i mean like since i came to faith it's just why isn't anyone telling everyone about jesus why didn't i know this it's go 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 and so when i came to faith and god began to restore our marriage i had savings from skating you know i kind of rode it out for two or three years wanted to reach as many people as i could in the skate industry i was doing some bible school and going to church serving as a deacon it was just like i was all in like i was with skating that was my faith and as that transitioned it literally got to a place of can i go around the world and focus three weeks time on this and that for a trick or two or a video yes you're in a van with a bunch of guys that are partying and raging and i get that jesus hung out with all those people and i'm for all those people i want to reach everyone but i had a marriage to help restore god was working on and my wife after we got remarried wanted more kids so it really was God focusing on that. And then it was me um, just saying, Lord, what do you want to do? And I, I considered, I'll start a business. I'll go work at some of these big sports brands. I know people. I'm diligent. A pro athlete can surely, you know, you could teach me to do a trade and I'm going to master it in a year or two. And it just seemed like God kept saying, no, there's this door open and that door. You're speaking at a youth group, a camp, a men's ministry. I'm like, okay, Lord. I mean, I have four sermons written on the table right now. I'm going to Canada tomorrow to preach at a big conference. Um, so basically my day is wake up and who's messaged me to maybe do a podcast? Where am I going to speak at a school? Um, who am I meeting with? Their marriage is upside down. Or am I downtime and I'm doing stuff with my kids? And it's literally, it, it's hard to understand, but we just joke talking about it. It's like I'm an evangelist and churches don't really have staff evangelists. Yeah. So you're just always going. So you're always going and there's not necessarily a set schedule or plan. And how's your family with that? They're fine because literally I I remember coming to faith and and whether it was someone said it or not, just realizing, hey, um, I'm not going to be gone so much that my children resent God because their dad's not there, Mm. you know. um, So you balance that out. So you think about that. You have to. I mean, I remember a good friend of mine, Matt Rainwater, you know, he was a drummer in a band, went to our old church and I forget who he was quoting, but he just said, you know, someone had told him, you can be a lot of things, but only you can be their dad. And so to me, it was like, I'm not that guy, though. I'm a homebody. I mean, listen, my wife and I have been away from our kids for two, actually one night, one night. Like we literally, after 12 years, said, hey, we're going to Palm Springs. We left the kids. We went. And after one night, we're like, we don't want to stay two more days. Let's just go home. I'm a homebody. Here's our living room. We're sitting in the kitchen recording this. I don't, I'll go away four days max without my family and if i'm going longer i'll bring some so when you travel you're taking your family with you or a kid with you a kid yeah i mean I, you know i've gone australia numerous times england and normally i'll take my oldest my daughter tomorrow is 12 this will be a first trip with me the crazy thing and we can get into this in a minute it'll probably prick your thoughts but my wife doesn't fly because since we miscarried our fourth her ears went crazy and if she goes on high altitude her oh, wow. ears go to pop so Imagine being an evangelist that literally goes around the world. Your wife stays home. Her mom lives six houses down on the other side of the street. 
I know people are listening right now just laughing at my accent. Guys, I'm from Liverpool. Get over it. Um, living in America, though, now. But, yeah, literally, it's like... Um, it's crazy. Like I but that gives you some here. that gives you some serious one on one time with your kids. Oh, it's it's so you and your son are probably pretty tight. T- well, he's nineteen, so you don't have any nineteen year olds yet, right? No, thirteen's okay. my it's, oldest. I'm when just you getting get the to teen game to nineteen. No, but but um, I'll say this just even up front: the hard thing about being a dad with teenagers is their uncles are bro, the youth pastors are bro, but you're the one saying pick up the dog poop and uh, don't yeah. talk to him like that. Don't leave the toilet seat up. So, yes, close enough where I still remember the things my dad challenged me with as a kid that I know are true. So close in that sense. But then, of course, I mean, we'll skate, we'll surf. I mean, his girlfriend's always over here. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Yeah. All right. So I want yeah. I got some specific questions I want to get into yeah. just, <laughs> just knowing your story some. But bef- before I do that, yeah. um, as you've been a dad what has been the best resource to you? So whether it's, you know, when you first had a kid yeah. or, or, you know, elementary, toddler, teens, mm-hmm. what has been some of the best resources to you? Well, I knew coming in, it's like anything. Um, one of the life lessons is, you know, you start skating and you get better. You become an amateur, you get better. You become professional, you get better. So there's no like right way, there's your way. So even when we had kids, obviously mm, the fact that we I like got, that. you know, it, it's just practical. Like you doing podcasting, it's only going to be better. I mean, we get better. What is it? 10,000 hours. That's when you begin to become a crafter and a master at it. For me, it was more when I came to faith. Um, I feel like we were good parents. I mean, like my wife's parents and um, her mom and dad separated when they were young, but they stayed best friends. In fact, you know, I don't know that they're all believers, but the mom remarried and when the the dad she was divorced from got sick a bit. He moved back in with them. Dang. And they lived, like I said, down the street. And part of their joke is, I almost wish we were married again so I could divorce you again. You know when they're joking? <laughs> but I guess I'm saying that to say, her parents, um, awesome, consistent, loving. My parents, awesome, consistent, loving. And um, married till my mother passed a few years ago. And so for us, we went in like, yeah, we're going to do this well. Obviously getting separated, but then having our youngest um, at the time, you know, obviously Dakota, I just knew this was going to be a journey. And it was really, as I was beginning to read the Bible, hearing men like Ravi Zacharias, um, hearing guys like John Piper, uh, Vody Bauckham, it was men talking about a man's role that really encouraged me the most. I'm for all these books. I want these books. I want a book from yourself to hear, man, what's his journey? Or, you know, my marriage book sitting on the table right there. Yeah, I'm excited to look at this. Here's our battles and what we went through. But there's nothing greater than the word of God. But that has to be then lived out. So, so you're saying so resource to you has been good good example through through your own parents. Yep. Um, even through the messiness of life, because you know your your wife, like you said, her parents were divorced, but through that messiness, they still found common ground, common right? Ground. Which is super hard to do in That's our the culture. Most important thing is yeah. like we disagree on so much stuff, but we can still be friends. We be can friends. still break yeah. bread together. Um, okay. So, so this podcast re- is fatherhood field notes. Yeah. So it's men who've had <laughs> 20 years of experience or yeah. whatever their story is and opening up their soul a little bit to go, man, here's some stuff that I've learned mm-hmm. some vulnerable stuff that, you know, we just may not talk about. And the yeah. hope is that other men are listening going, Oh, yep. Okay. So I'm learning from that. So that's the fatherhood field notes. And then the core of this is rebel and create. Mm-hmm. And, and that was born into me in 2015 to rebel against the status quo of what the church might've told me, the world might've told me, I might tell myself as like what a man 
is supposed to be, what a father is supposed to be. Yeah. And out of that, don't just be rebellious for the sake of being rebellious. Yeah. But what are you going to create out of the rubble? Like yeah. you tore it down. So now what? Yeah. What's and, to come? Yep. And, and so what is something that you either lifelong journey or currently are rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that? I guess for me, when we talked a little bit earlier about the idea is, is my rebelling against anything is just the world system. And whether you say I'm a conspiracy guy, whether it's, you know, talking about it in John, like the love of the world and the flesh and the pride of life, whether it's that in Genesis when Eve ate of the fruit, there was three things there that drew her. I mean, the way it looked, the way it tasted, the way it felt, um, having her own wisdom, the same three things that Jesus is tempted with in Matthew 4. Yep. Um, the same things we're tempted with so coming to faith as a guy from england and um, growing up on the beatles pink floyd music and um, not that i had this pornography addiction but just how many women have you seen naked how much men all of us listening have you been exposed to you've seen every shape color whatever this whole idea and then within marriage you know do i have crushes on people in hollywood does my wife have crushes on people i mean where are we with that this whole idea of just the world is and I'll put it straight, if the Bible is the only truth, then really the greatest evangelist today for the bad news is uh, Satan. And he's ministering to this world, men to you, uh, me about my identity, you know, the Homer Simpsons and the, the goofiness of who a dad is and yes. the men and going and partying and days in Vegas and even for women. So my rebellion was more out of that evangelistic heart of, okay, wow, I am seeing men Moved out of their house, um, losing everything, depressed, divorced, suicidal, because they bought the lie of the world. I know it's our sin nature. I know it's the flesh and it's Satan and the rest of it. But my rebellion is more, I don't want the gray areas. Like, believe me, my wife and I fell in love to sit in songs that I love. But if it came down to it, I don't need to hear them. I'm not being religious. I'm just saying my own rebellion is like, I don't need it. Um, my wife was someone that was straight edge growing up. You know, I'm so compulsive, so we don't drink. You're allowed to drink biblically, but my rebellion is like, if John Piper says he can only chew a pack of gum without him devouring the whole thing, you know, I'm that way as well. I don't need alcohol sitting in the fridge because for me, when I have a bad time, when I have a bad moment, is that going to be where I fall into? Right. I'm saying that to say the world is pitching so much stuff to us that my rebellion is more, no, Lord, I'm not gaining holiness by acting this way, but I just want less of whatever's being sold to me. So what do you hope to create out of that? Just a deeper relationship with God. And guys, I'll tell you, if you just said, Brian, go right off the air, where are you going? My message is simple. It's Jesus showed up, said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He showed us how to do that for three and a half years. He was a rabbi. He died and resurrected, said, wait for me here. And he showed up. And what was his message? The exact same one. All authority in heaven has been given to me. All right, Jesus, what do you want us to do? There we are on the bank, all the men listening. I want you to go. The problem with this idea of rebelling with the world in the right sense is this. If I'm rebelling against it, what am I rebelling to? Back to your point, what am I creating? It's the Great Commission. I haven't yeah. got time for drugs when I'm living the Great Commission. I haven't got time for an affair. You haven't got time for an affair if you're down here podcasting. If suddenly you're meant to be here at five and you're not showing up, but I'm like, where have you been an hour? You don't know. You're distracted by something else. Yeah. That's the whale. That's your flesh, the rest. So I'm saying that to say what I'm creating is what God's already created. It's Ephesians 2.10, where his workmanship, we're given a call. I mean, he doesn't address specific things. Paul goes deeper in certain things to the church, but Jesus is simply like, fish, let's fish. 
if you wake up each day, I mean, this, card, this podcast, there you go, card, fish and chips. <laughs> this podcast is about fishing, reaching people, encouraging um, our yeah, breath every day. Mm-hmm. Fatherhood. And you know, that is evangelism. Because if you rip the, 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 I mean, Satan didn't even show up until they were married. He didn't even get concerned until the two became one. And God was beginning to secure two together. So think about that. That's what is the first thing that. that God says is not good? Before the sin, that man is alone. Alone. Yeah. So, the rebellion against the world is that it just answers. Listen. So, I mean, as you're yeah. saying it, I mean, it's not good for man to be alone. Everything that you're saying, the world stuff, kind of the lies, it's very much you. It's, it's, it's just going like make you as dope as you could be, even in your marriage, and you have this car, this wife, right? This whatever. Which some of that stuff can be fine. It's not but, bad. Music's but not if bad. It replaces, aren't bad. If it replaces that oneness, if it doesn't make you closer to people, brings you farther away, then it's a distraction. Well, you, I mean, look around our house. You know, we have a laptop here, old phone here. We got a TV here. Um, these things program you. They're programs. Yeah television is speaking of vision the bible says people perish for lack of vision and so here i am getting into just thoughts but what i'm saying is i grew up rolling up my sleeves idolizing bruce lee i grew up looking at bob marley posters realizing there was a pot plant on there and not thinking about it i grew up listening to the beatles and oh that's what lucy in the sky are diamonds and i'm saying whether people realize it or not if the bible is the only truth everything else that we hear comes from the father of lies. So the idea that you could get divorced does not come from God. I don't mean people. I mean, but where does the idea come from? The father of lies. So everything we buy that isn't right out the pages of scripture, I'm not saying a painting or a beautiful song or a poem. I mean, every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. We are creators in that sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. we use what God's given. But whatever I'm buying into or residing in, and that, that could just be me being extreme, but... Paul seemed to want to crucify his flesh more, not to be righteous, but because he was made righteous. I just think that we buy this lie in the Christian bubble that like one foot's here, one foot's there. I'm like, no, guys, listen, um, I sit with people, men who lose it all. I mean, there's an epidemic in Australia of men who end up taking their lives because the way the court system files it. They get so screwed and the wife gets everything. She's in bed with someone else, the kids. I mean, some of you listening might be there. But I'm saying that to say we've just got to be the pioneers. We've got to be at the forefront, willing to die to self for the sake of our bride. I mean, even the book I wrote, the whole idea, and I'd never really realized this. You know, I'm coming to faith, God restoring our marriage. And I realized, wait a minute, what is the picture of the Bible? It's the picture of marriage. I mean, I think that's the greatest reflection of God is marriage. It begins with a marriage in Genesis. It ends with one in Revelation. It's about a king called Jesus who slayed a dragon called Satan to redeem his bride. It doesn't mean everyone has to be married. Paul didn't have that gift, apparently. Whether he had a wife prior or not, we don't know. But my marriage represents Christ dying for his bride, the church. And when you tell a man this, and when you tell a woman, um, my wife just left a minute ago. Out of everyone in the world that can pray for me, there's no one greater than who? That woman. When I drive her crazy, when she drives me crazy, you're not watching the Oprah show hearing about praying wives you're not seeing the things on the the leading tabloids or the newsstands yeah. about how to be a godly woman when you as a man get the vision i'm the covering i'm the die for this woman despite your all your all your issues um christianity is about dying to self by the way that's what marriage is you know it's death by marriage that's what we need 
And when that woman gets man, I came out from his rib. I go back there. I'm one with this man. Um, we're the object of beauty. Then you begin to say, oh, we're fighting because God's at work. One of us is being a tool. We got to get through this. Because and, we'll both become more of the image of what we're supposed to be on the other side. Well, if that, we allow. Well, that's what it is. Exactly. I mean, we had to go to the cross, yes, for the salvation of the world, but we have our own crosses to carry. Mm, yeah. Less of me, more of him. I must decrease, he must increase. It's not the white picket fence, the Disney ending. It's it's war in that sense. And here's your idea of rebelling against. I'm literally dying to self daily. It's not, a war every day. Not for my wife, not for my kids, not for me, for Christ, which is better than. And I say this a lot when we're doing marriage stuff. If I love my wife the way I love her, it's not good. I've got to love her the way Christ loved the church. And that is hard. And back mm. to your point about fatherhood, having a son who's now 19, um, there's many times because I travel, I'll love him as best I can. I'll love my daughter, love my son. I'll get on a flight. The fact that tomorrow is the first time my daughter's going to be away from my wife and my youngest, they're going to reflect and be like, man, when was the last time we fought? When was the last time I said this? I wish I didn't. When was the last? Listen, guys, you were going to blow it. You were going to say stupid stuff. If I was sitting there with you, you'd be like, wasn't that stupid of me to say? And I'd be like, yes, it was. But guys, we have to keep pressing in, uh, using the grace and mercy. That's why it's there every day. And you've got to just keep making this story new. Yeah. I mean, my issue's always been anger, you know, because coming from England, it's rowdy, it's crazy. So I have to watch those verses in the Bible to talk about if I'm too harsh with my kids, how's it going to make them rebel? Yeah, yeah, What's it yeah. Gonna, because as men, that's what you do. Yeah. Your wife's going to treat you like no other man would they'd have been punched in the face or kicked out your house. Yeah. Your kids are in rebellion against you. Your wife's in rebellion against you. You're in rebellion against God in the flesh. That's the crazy chaos of this whole bubble, but that's what's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a lot. <laughs> I love it. All right, so I'm going to ask a couple questions, and I'm, I know we'll just keep going down this Go path. Wherever, so, yeah. So you're born in England, and at 15 years old, you moved to the United States. Yeah. So how is your relationship with your own dad? Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah, it's funny because I, I think about this more lately. Like my dad's dad, because he was born a lot later on in his life. He was close enough with him where they lived in the same house, but he almost told me like my dad never really even talked to me that much or did Because his much. dad was older. Just older, yeah. yeah. So he was just used to where he paid attention to his older brother. But that's almost weird. I can't imagine what that might have done with him. But my dad was the kind of guy that um, he was amazing, you know, like um, he had that older brother, he had a sister. And but how was it that you, I mean, could you imagine, your yeah. kid's 19 and he's in the other room right now. Well, that's, what if he that's moved four years ago? Well, that's the point. So growing up, he took me on bike ride, took me to catch frogs, took me to Wales, took me everywhere. My mm. mom went along. They were always together. He worked the nine to five hard. She worked hard. They definitely give me this drive. And were you an only child? No, I had two older sisters. So okay. I was probably, you know, God didn't say I was an accident, but I was definitely an accident to them. Yeah. For sure. I just showed up and my dad's like, well, I got my son now. Maybe that's why... He made the effort. I was close with him. We did a lot of stuff. But he was definitely like kind of, I wouldn't say like a tough guy, but he just wouldn't really put up with all the, the crap. He didn't want to deal with all the whatever. He wanted to get on with it. He was like a straight shooter. So now, to your point, I'm starting skating at 13, at 14. You know, you, you don't know this probably, but you finish school in England when you're 15, 16. Okay, so that's when you finish high school. So I'm finishing high school. I've already been traveling Europe. Like, you know, I'm... By yourself or with friends? Well, you got to realize skating is like a religion. It's like going to the gym and boxing. It's like going surfing. So now I have, you know, 
a bunch of people that are older than me coming over to my house for the last year. My mom opens up our house. Here's the tea. Here's the biscuits. We're all hanging out. My dad was always down for what we were doing. He didn't say a lot, but he would put us all in the van from work. He'd drive us four hours to a skate contest. So my family knows everyone to the point that when my mom passed, my friend Barry Wong carried the coffin. Wow. You know, when my mom passed, I went to the door to tell my friends who just came to see me. And my sister said, my mom just passed. Some of them are so freaked out. And my friend Barry said, I want to see her. He didn't say, can I see? He said, I want to see her. Mm, he that, came that in, level of closeness. kissed her on the head to where my dad, had, you know, he'd already mourned her for two years now. She's got, got cancer. We're all like in shock. His kissing my mother on the head was more like closure for us, for who, who her life was. Wow. And I say that to say, my family embraced all my friends. They were good examples. Sure, they partied. They got drunk on the weekend like everyone in England. They just did whatever. Your but, parents. No, but, well, they had grown up, but then my friends, I'm oh, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now they're older than me at 15. I'm getting sponsored. You kind of know it plays out. Hey, will you go to America? My friend Jeff Rowley, who had got me sponsored, was living there. I'm 15. I'm 16. Hey, guys, I'm going to go to America for three months. Okay, well, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But they already know. My my dream was bigger than the chaos. So I come over here for three months, go back. Over here for three months, go back. Come back on a six-month visa. I might have drank a couple of times. I mean, I didn't really chase girls too much because I was focused on skating. All my friends were partying and doing that. But I don't want to get in trouble with the police. I don't want to do whatever. So I'm back to the point. I'm saying that's where the, the maturity was. You're, you're asking how did that end up? My parents just trusted me. They yeah, and it believed. sounds like that culture was different too, too in oh, the yeah. sense of like now you're lucky to get your kid out at like early 20s. 30. They're in the basement playing video <laughs> yeah, games. Yeah, which isn't ideal for any. That's not anyone. what we want. But even, yeah. you know, like 18, 19, 20 yeah. is kind of like I think where I would expect my kids to get out. And especially at his age. You know, my son's 19 as a, a girlfriend for pretty much two or three years. Mm. Her two sisters just got um, married in the last two years, the older ones. So they're already planning in a year or so. But you live in California. We got this house almost 20 years ago. Our mortgage is like nothing. Where's, yeah. where's he going to go? Yeah. What are they going to go do? You know. So the point is, my parents trusted what I was doing. I come over. I'm not a believer. I'm living this whole lifestyle. It wasn't like it was crazy, but because skating was the goal. I'm meeting with constant photographers, filmers. You almost have a level of maturity you have to have just to be able to, I mean, you're a professional athlete, you know, yeah. it's like you are getting up daily and skating six or seven hours a day. It's, it's you don't realize it, but it's a craft. Yeah. You can then yeah. aim that at your faith, aim that at your marriage. So that's good. Yeah. So, all right. So you're here and then you, you meet a girl. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about this. So yeah. you decided to get married at 19. Well, we'd. When I was about 16, you know, I have a shaved head and my body was definitely disproportioned. I was just like this baby, like puma or something, just all like oafy looking, you know, not really, but just like big features and like long arms and whatever. You know? And then now she's she's got a boyfriend going back and forth to New Jersey. She And then all my friends are always trying to set her up with everyone, you know, because her best friend was married to my, well, dating my friend Jeff. So then she comes back and I'm 17, 18. And now the braces are gone. Now I look like a man a little bit more. Not much. I mean, I still haven't got arm, arm hair. But she's like, okay, that's Brian. So then we start connecting. And please, no one, don't do this. So we'd been together for four months nonstop every day. I How did like, that affect your skating? 
I mean, I was just skating. So, so like you'd I'd, still skate and then go, go with hang out with her. So like mm. she'd be at work, I'd go in and eat, and then I'm going skating, she'd be in the car with me. That's a skater. Skaters bring their girlfriends yeah. or bring their dog. So now after four months, I'm about to go back to England. And I'm like, I, and it wasn't like this, oh, we're going to go get a passport and do whatever. It was like, I'm not leaving this girl. Like, sure, I'd hang out with other girls. Sure, I'd chase girls to a little bit like, oh, this girl's nice. This girl's whatever. This girl's cool. But I wasn't that guy who's like, oh, chicks. I was like so focused on skating. This girl, I felt like had respect and respected herself and wasn't all just whatever. And so after four months, um, I literally said, hey, let's not tell anyone. Let's drive out to Vegas. Let's get married. And we did. And we drove out there. I couldn't even drive yet. She drove out at like 90 miles an hour to Vegas. We got married off the strip. Um, Was it just the two of you? Or just did you the take two some, of us. No one went My with friend you, huh? Jeff and um, oh, so his they, girlfriend Chrissy knew. But they didn't go. No, we paid 400 bucks in that chapel. And the pastor I'd never met came out, read First Corinthians 13. <laughs> A woman came out and said, I witnessed this. We... Went back to the hotel and hung out at New York, New York, and we had a baby uh, 10 months later, and then that's life. <laughs> so we were divorced within two and a half years, which is crazy. So how did so, that epic love story... Well, Right, because I know you're kind yeah. of joking, like we went to Vegas and everything, but if you hear you saw that in a movie, it's like people would eat it up. Oh, they'd okay? love it. Yeah. If you made a story about that part of our life, it's crazy. So then how did it fall apart? It fell apart because... For one, theologically, you put two sinners together, you don't know what you're doing. Someone is single, living their life, and they realize, oh, I have hatred sometimes too much, or I take advantage of people this much, or I'm or I'm great, or whatever. Yeah. You put two people together, you begin to see that, and it gets exposed. So we came into it saying, happily ever after, this is the Disney dream. This is yeah. going to be it. And now, you know, I'm just paying for everything, doing whatever. We have no system no boundaries and money is good because you're a pro athlete so you're making 12 to twenty thousand dollars a month easy you're making shoe royalties whatever and she doesn't care about money it wasn't like we're buying all this dumb stuff we're just trying to like love this kid and whatever but we're both pretty intense she's pretty much intense as well so over the course of that time and fighting and there was no like infidelity there's nothing like that before long, we're like, you know what? Maybe this isn't right. Maybe this isn't what we should have done. Maybe that person or this person's better for you. We were buying the lie that... Mm. Um, and here's the big deal. This is normally, for those listening, this is normally two years in your marriage or five years in, even a year, sadly, now. They say 80% of millennials by the date, what, 2020, will be ready to walk out of their marriages for no reason. Not even because of infidelity. They'll have their first house, their first kid, but they're so used to just buying a different Subaru, camping a different place, getting a different job. They're so used to changing the system. They're proclaiming that possibly 80% will be ready to go. This just isn't the right person. So we went in with that idea. I wouldn't fight with this. We were missing what God was Mm. doing. God's trying to get you to die yourself. God's actually doing a work, but we don't know Christ. Um, My toes are getting stepped on because I don't know how to love like Christ loved the church. She's in rebellion, like Genesis says. She'll seek to have rule over me. That's part of it. I mean, there's still pain in childbirth. We're still under the curse in the flesh. So just that's like, wait a minute. Skating worked out. Money worked out. The scale worked out. Oh, wait. Marriage is upside down. Maybe we made a mistake. And I just lost it. Like, okay. Because then you didn't understand what the point of marriage was, is basically what you're there's saying. There's no point, but I love this person. And if, if your love isn't feeling like love, if it's not the ahava or the agape love, the Bible says, which is a choice God chose to put his love on us. In the in that book, Song of Songs, where it says, don't arouse or awaken love until it desires. What does that even mean? It means do not put your committed, dedicated, dying to self-love 
on that person until you're ready. Don't wear the ring. Don't take the last name. Don't get in bed. Shed the blood. It's a covenant till you are ready. And that means to make that to, choice. Well, that's what he means. While we and the choice, sin is yep. Christ. Am I ready to daily get up? Do I get up and go? Oh, I'm just ready to die for Tracy today. No, I get up and I'm like, where's my food? I had a pastor say, I don't even feel like a Christian till I've had two coffees and read the Bible. <laughs> and that's jest, but you know what I'm going. Yeah. You could get back from this trip and be like, babe, I'm drained. The flight was this. And Brian went on too long and I stubbed my toe. And you're not waking up like, hey, I'm the father. Dude, that's money know? right there. It's a choice. It's a it, choice. It's but, a choice. Yeah. But it's really tough, man, because I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Like we could say, we could cut Jesus out of all of this. And then we make the choice. We make the choice. We make the choice. But there's not a. But 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 behind the choice, it has to. Be what Christ. is the why? There's not. Right. There's what not. is that reason? And so you you said at the beginning, there's the world, and then there's Christ. Okay? Either I've been purchased by the blood, and I'm the doulos, the servant of the Lord. If I'm a servant, which is literally translated slave, Jesus says you're no longer my servants because you're my friends. Because I've now told you, what have you told us? That's your wife. I brought you one woman. She's the object of affection. This is her standard. Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. <laughs> you said, I brought you one woman. Yeah. Do you think that... Yeah, go wherever. Let's go. Yeah. Do you think that um, <laughs> you could do the same th- thing with another woman? If, meaning meaning yeah. Tracy didn't show up that day. It was Jeff's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. whatever. So, <laughs> so my, is my wife listening to this? I'm kidding. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, because my point, no, my yeah, point is... is yeah. There's a promise in God, so let's say... Okay, so you think that it is? I think this. um, We think there's the one, okay? Right, that she's my soulmate or whatever. So to a Jew, to a Hebrew, there's no such thing as chance or luck. God is sovereign. You never find that in the Bible. And they cast lots because they believe whatever it falls on, that is God's divine choice. We don't cast lots today because you have to... Like roll the dice. Roll the dice. That's what we would say it is, but it's not. The priest cast lots. I'm preaching on it this weekend, the atonement. They cast lots, and wherever it fell, that was the goat that was sacrificed. It's sovereign. Judas had to betray, Je- betray Jesus exactly when he did. It was Passover. It was a certain amount of thousand years. So what I'm saying is, if I hadn't remarried Tracy and married anyone else, that's my wife. Once I say I do... Once that's I make I it, yes. that's my wife. But if Tracy today walked out, and I tell guys this, I literally sit with men, and sometimes it's a phone call who say, man, my wife's in bed with this person, they're doing this, da 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 I literally told a friend of mine recently, I'd never met the guy, we talked many times over years, and his wife had, you know, and I talked to many people, so this could be anyone, yep. but I'm saying his wife had committed adultery, fully repented, supposedly. First question I said was, is she a believer? Yes. Okay, is she a follower? Not does she believe it's all real? Satan knows it's real. Is she wanting to follow Jesus? I right. don't mean perfect, right. but is it a conviction where if you're suddenly looking at me reading a Hustler magazine over here or I'm getting texts on my phone, you'd be like, whoa, bro, I don't think I'm going to put this up. As I'm sitting with that friend, you know, through the phone conversation, hey, she's back at it again. She's doing this. She's doing that, blah, blah, blah. We have a couple of kids. I don't think she wants it. What should I do? I'm like, literally open the Bible. Read through Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. The verse literally will tell her, you are living like a whore. Whoa, she needs to be confronted with her sin. She needs to have addressed where she is. Brian, why are you saying that? Because if she really doesn't want to follow Christ, and she's really in opposition, and she doesn't want this, 
you keep loving her you're, you're free to divorce her because these grounds it's psychological it's crazy I mean, it's the worst thing that could happen in a marriage but i'm also the guy that's for forgiveness and believes god can fully save a person that's maybe reprobate right there whatever's happening but if they fully separated if my wife divorced me this week whoever i go on to marry that's now my wife and i've told men when she divorces yeah. you and whatever happens it's no longer your wife the whole of god's grace and mercy is now shifted to you and your singleness. And she's on her own walk home with God in his own singleness. God can restore that. He restored ours. And I tell people, don't go be in bed with someone. Don't go get a porn addiction going. Yeah. God might restore it. Sometimes a divorce, sadly, is what wakes one of them up. Yeah, so let's talk about that in a second. Yeah. But the reason I ask the question is, is when, when I sometimes when I hear that statement, you yeah. said, you know. My soulmate or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Then people go, oh, shoot, I don't think I'm with that one. If you married her, then that's she's who the God one. Has for yes, you. yes, thank you. That's, listen, I love that. Listen, it's here's why. Important. Okay, the greatest, the greatest miracle is when God took you and me, every human that's dead, and saved them. That's a miraculous work of God. It isn't a prayer you say. I get it. You can do that. There's a prayer. God leads you. I mean, I'm not saying everyone's done that, but when He took a dead person and regenerated them, made them born again, John 3, that's a miracle. What's the other second greatest miracle after that? It has to be what? It's not parting an ocean. It's not getting your kids to bed early. I mean, that is a miracle sometimes. <laughs> it's literally, how did God make one out of me and my wife? This whole issue with, you know, gender and all the rest of it. God takes a man and a woman, puts them together. That's a supernatural work. If you say I do, if you go into that marriage, even if they're unequally yoked, it's not what's best. But if that goes together... God's in it to pastor yes. it and he will honor it. And here's the thing for people who are going through it right now. I'm bleeping, bleeping, sick of this person. I marriage this guys. Listen, people get woke up. This book is filled with stories of people that had affairs, got shook, and I'm best friends with them today. And they have set boundaries in their marriages and their children are better than ever. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that's it. That's so good. the idea is you place your love on that person. Like, and I've said it a lot, you know, because it's, it's, it's true, it's funny, but um, we were going to call the book Death by Marriage, and people laugh, but that's what, that's what marriage is, dying to self. And then when they asked Billy Graham's wife, do you ever think about divorcing Billy? She said, no, but I think about killing him every day. <laughs> and I mean, if she's saying that, and granted, the guy was gone a lot, yeah. but that just tells you something, you know, so. <laughs> that's funny. All right, so thinking back to your own marriage you're 20 early 20s yeah you guys decide to get separated you find jesus and yeah. you decide hey i want to be back with you yeah i would like to know just a couple things like practically yep. like practical you you divorce yeah and you get back yeah how how that happened <laughs> well i'm reading everything under the sun watching everything under the sun to disprove it i'm from england so we want to use our intellect and our mind. You know, I'm reading about every kind of religion. and I'm doing So early 20s, you're reading about every kind of religion everything. because you're depressed. Well, yeah, and it wasn't depressed like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It was like, I'm over it. I got yeah. an eight fist fights in one month one time. Like, how do you, and I didn't start any of them. I was just angry, frustrated, skating worked out, money worked out, America worked out. And now I'm going to end up being with some other woman and my kid's going to be with her and she's going to be with someone else. Like, really? So I'm, you're just I'm pissed a, about I'm it. I'm pissed. I'm perfectionist with OCD. Like, what? Really? And and we were on and off, on and off, love, hate. So I'm trying to disprove it all because of some of those fights, get community service in a Christian thrift store while I'm going, reading all these books. I mean, I'm, I'm harassing rabbis and priests and 
all these different faiths of the Mormon show up on the door. I'm like, hey, I bought this house. Her parents, like I said, live down the street. And I'd gone to community service. And a friend of mine, Christian Osoy, had got out of jail who'd came to faith while in there. And he'd been sharing with me. And I was at a stage where I'd heard everything from the Christians and all the rest, you know. And many were just like saying whatever. And some were really sincere. And some really knew the Bible. A lot mm. of them just didn't seem to. And I was like, okay, this is answering a lot of the questions of the Matthew seven twenty one. Many call him Lord. But, you know, he'll say, depart me. I never knew you. And so literally in this room, I came home one night. And I'd heard preaching, very specific, from the pastor at the old church on Galatians 5, Matthew seven twenty one, And I came and said, Lord, I've been coming to you for my own life. I've been coming to you for my marriage and for my sake. And not that these things were an idol. I didn't know the Lord yet. I could probably preach. I was already in the Greek and the Hebrew. I, I was retaining it. This is all I was doing. I had stacks of DVDs from the History Channel and emails and documents from universities and stuff I was tracking down. But in this room, I was like, Lord... I need forgiveness. It was about sin. It was about my separation from God. It wasn't about my wife. And I literally said, I lay down my life. You know, when you come to faith, you don't know what you're praying. You just know that God's good. He's faithful. Yep. He's leading you. And we see that in the scriptures. There is a preaching of the gospel. People hear, respond. There's a conviction. He does that work. And I said, I give you my life. Lay down my skating. I'll get baptized. I'll remarry this woman. And that was like scary because I don't want to get married again. I why did. why did why did it matter to you why did why did this because it, it for my son for my wife for that love that was there if you're god and you have this but even without god you're yeah. pursuing you are so hungry to yeah. figure out how to make yeah. all of life work all of life work that's but right. for some reason she was a part of that all yeah. of life <laughs> and i'm not yeah. I, I never well there was there was a love and a hate i mean there was like a you know, this whole idea of, of okay, Lord, I'll re remarry this woman. And the crazy thing is, so I have this whole experience, and it was an experience. It wasn't like, oh, I, I guess this makes sense. It was like I was born again in that room. That was an office at the time. My two youngest went here. I'm laughing and crying. I can't believe this is real. No one knows this. Why did no one tell me? I'm having all these thoughts. I go and lay down in our bedroom. My wife doesn't talk. She's probably talking. Was she living here with you at the yeah, time? Yeah, so that's the point. So we were separated but I was like, let's just stay together in my mind so that by the time my son's four or five, if life's crazy, I haven't got to be here, but at least he'll know I made the effort. At least I can tell him he can know me. And that's how crazy it was. I mean, it was crazy. I go lay down in there and she sits up like a zombie and gives this like 10 minute speech about all the stuff I just prayed, like all the stuff I just talked about. And the next day, and she's like, you know, I don't know why we fight. I don't know why life's like this and that. We should do this. We should do that. And she doesn't talk like that. Like, she's probably said less things in our marriage than I've said this whole podcast. You know, and I'm joking, <laughs> but I'm saying we're English. We talk and we're on sentences. I wake up the next day, come out here. I'm going to follow Christ. What? You're crazy. You're not even a Catholic. You're not even baptized. You know, she's Italian-Mexican. Has no idea what she said the night before. I just keep witnessing and in three weeks, she comes to faith at a church where the pastor literally said, go tell that girl to come forward. He was a guest speaker. He didn't even know. He didn't know she was like. Yeah, yeah. So that ends up happening. We get remarried, I want to say, three to six months later. We just celebrate our first anniversary. That's why we keep the original date. We just forgot about this. You know, we just went back to the original. But there was a time period where, where yeah. you guys get separated. You actually get divorced. Fully divorced. But you're still living here together. Fighting like crazy, just yelling, mad, just like, ugh. It's just, but you wanted to because your son. There was something important to you to be in your son's life. And what's what's better is it better that I then go and like, 
have some other relationship with someone and that's the next thing or she goes and does this and I literally I tell couples this I'm like I'll sit with couples and men will be like you know but this I'm like are you ready to show up to the baseball game and you see another guy grabbing your wife's rear end and they're like whoa bro I go are you ready that's life are you ready because you're going to your kid's party when he has a baby you're going as a grandparent are you really ready I remember a friend of mine years ago Chris Ortiz who just said it's easier to stay together. He'd gone through a divorce that it's just easier to stay together. And I was like, it just sounded like truth. And yeah, again, damn. I wanted it to be, and I'm not saying that, listen, God hates divorce, but he doesn't hate people who are divorced. He doesn't hate people like that. Right. It, it, it's, you know, you can have a spouse that's just out. They're done, they're gone. And I mean, man, they're not really following Jesus. It, it's heinous what ends up happening. But here's the thing for the men who are going through this, or women that are listening for the men, God is enough. And we don't actually believe that a lot of the time. I can believe for you in this podcast all day, but when I come home and if I've gone through that and there's no one in the house and I can't hear my kids, like, what? I have to make Jesus, and he is, but I mean, I have to be able to go, you are enough, and that's hard. That's real faith and faith substance. So back to your point, though, yeah, we remarried. It just felt like that was the thing. And then right away we had to go, okay, what does the Bible say about marriage what are these verses yeah so what are the practical things you're like all right i'm i mean practically one you stayed in the same house because it was important for you to be around your kid yeah okay so that was a practical houses in california aren't too you know cheap so it's hard to move (laughs) yeah Yeah. no but yeah yeah but there was practical things you're saying what was the well i mean you still seem to serve her yeah through that yeah, I mean, I, I paid for what was go, needed. I didn't do any of that stuff. I you mean, didn't go sleep around because it's like, all right, well, we're We were divorced. separated. So we were separated for a year or so. So we had, you know, those things that happened there where we brought back in later on that we talked about. And that's why it's almost easier to connect with people. But because we weren't believers, it was like, okay. I mean, we weren't virgins when we came into the marriage. So it's right. almost like, and then you see how that stuff doesn't, listen, you go out the house today that woman that's walking through wherever, she's done her hair, she smells good, she's gone to the gym, she's trying to present herself a certain way, not just to be beautiful. I get it. I want to give as much dignity in the rest. But my mom, before she passed away, said, men used to expose women, but now women are exposing themselves. Wow. And I'm not saying that to degrade women. No. But I'm saying the culture, it's... in the garden, they were at least naked and ashamed. But today, everyone wants to be naked and they're not ashamed. I mean, you can't even, you know, MTV for you and me growing up, you may be seeing someone's chest or someone dancing around a pole. I mean, you can't put, I don't even mean a rap video with a, a male rapper. I mean, these famous people like Nicki Minaj and all these people, they're dancing around in six-inch heels, Miley Cyrus doing just gross things on, on awards. So I'm like, it's everywhere. You know what I mean? And so I, I think for us, it was... The family, this idea, God, yeah, and it's not been easy. I yeah, mean, it's, you know. So, so that's a good transition. I want to go into another question. Yeah. Okay. So you live maybe not a maybe not a wild life, you know, because you were around a lot of wild stuff. I mean, the crew that you yeah. skated with was a bunch of rowdies. Yeah. And and maybe you weren't participating in that as much just because the skateboarding was so important, not because of certain convictions you had yeah. at eighteen, nineteen, twenty. But now you have a son who's, you know, fifth, you know, he's 19. Yeah. But I heard you say that like he didn't even have Instagram till nine, yeah. till 18. Yeah. But you, but you let him have a girlfriend before that. And so, yeah. And even this is great to, yeah, I'm glad you're tracking that. So the idea is, I don't know why, but we're just really protective. Like 
we're really protective where he doesn't our kids don't stay the night with people and what is it one in seven people have been molested that's crazy like that's real you know what I mean? 98% of yeah, people. Yeah, man, I got four daughters. So that's yeah. something that if my kids stay the night somewhere, I, I walk over to that house and I and look that man and in the eye. on the outside, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm very protective. Right. So, so that's, so, in so, that area. So we're very protective in that sense where we're like, okay, you know, family and the rest of it, it's serious. But so we're protective. So now, you know, and I'll be open. It's funny because even, even having a son, he's nine, he's 10. And he starts asking those questions and talking about stuff. He's on a baseball team with all the kids and he's learning about, you know, hearing this word and that word and yeah. things. And so you're realizing, and this is back then when Mark Driscoll had wrote his book, what was it, um, Real Marriage or something like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, hey, the church doesn't always talk about these things. We make them taboo. These Christians literally get married and feel so bad about being physical because they've always been told, don't, 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 don't. Mm-hmm. But there's no understanding of it. And then there's the shame and then the emotion. There's no passion and whatever. So we will literally at this time, you know, Instagram's only what, six or seven years old or something. We would just pick a couple that were like, we don't want him. We don't, we don't, we don't drink. So I don't want my kid opening the fridge and he sees water, lemonade, milk and alcohol. So then if he has that demon, you know, not that it's a little demon, but that's his obsession later. It's just going to wipe him out. You know, more women are abused, raped, people killed dead from alcohol so i'm just yeah no so this is good so, so we're be, very protected because, because this is our fathering yeah yeah so you because you're intentional about it so so but the question is like okay yeah. how i mean because you went from extreme to extreme yeah. you know extreme skating to extreme christianity love of Jesus. extreme I yeah mean, it is extreme. Die, 300 years the church is persecuted you don't hear i mean we're living in the most persecuted time today one in 12 christians in the world 215 million enter eternity every year persecuted most people don't know that yeah that's so bonkers. it is crazy but it was extreme in skating and literally and i'll explain it like this he's in the other room maybe he could join us later but i was just like okay if my wife looks at anything working out and her instagram's attached to mine all these workout videos show up which means some of them are then going to have more crude stuff on some of them are going to have whatever i'm like why do i want my 13 14 year old son to see numerous amounts of boobs. Why do I want them to see just just foul, vulgar things that are on there, lowering the standard of what um what it means to, to just have affection for? I mean, okay, so let's talk about yeah. this one thing. Let's talk about yeah. sex for a second. So you're protecting from Instagram, protecting yeah. from you know the stuff. I'm I'm guessing that's yeah. on television. Yeah. But you're ha- letting him have a girlfriend, yeah. and you said a minute ago, like sometimes religion can yeah. make make like if I grew up, yeah. you know, let's say typical in in a mind, you might say, oh, a homeschool kid doesn't know how to live in the yeah. world and get married. They don't even <laughs> they're not even intimate with their spouse because they don't know. So how do you yeah. how do you not go to the extreme of like yeah. kids don't even know what sex is to to um, yeah. to like to okay, allowing the, the girlfriend, yeah, yeah, well, or allowing anything. intimacy so that you know yeah. they didn't. Because you're, I mean, I get it. Well, I'll help you. You guys being younger, I'll help some of you out, right? So here's how it works. Okay. So he's 9, 10. And he says something, you know, like, hey, I had a dream. And it was this person. And she was on like a bridge or something like this. And it was just like, it wasn't like crazy. But it's like, okay, already as a man, there's things there. There was nothing crazy. But as a man, if you live in Jerusalem thousands of years ago, Mary was probably 13 or 15, 16, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. If you and I were raised there, we'd have already been probably married at 14, 15, 16. Right. So those hormones are there. Even Song of Songs says 
for him to kiss her on the lips. The emotion's there. So he's now 14, 15, um, and shared things that his friends had said, things that he'd seen already, and we're like, okay, this is way too early. Taking into mind, I, I was preaching even two months ago at a camp, and a 13-year-old girl came up to me in tears after I preached on Hebrews, didn't look at me and said, I've been looking at pornography since I was 11. This is a girl, a tiny, skinny, blonde girl that looks just like my daughter. So for two years, this girl's been seeing these crazy images. Yeah, so now she goes into a bedroom and she thinks she has to, I get the marriage bed is not going to be defiled, but does she have to think like these porn stars are acting? Or does she expect men to be the way these porn stars are treating these girls? It's already a, a just lame, satanic, skewed idea. And we've Wild. all been exposed to it. So for my son, now he's 13, 14, we've had all these conversations. My wife's had him and he's a, he's a normal, funny, goofy kid. He's got his friends. They're talking about, you know, men doing this to themselves and when girls start doing this and they're just you guys are going to hear it all that's just the way it goes we literally are going on a missions trip to costa rica and we have a family of friends and the gentleman you know does jujitsu with me he's elder our church again back to his girlfriend we go to costa rica on a mission trip and we're all out surfing and everyone comes in and they're just out there together and i'd been in our garage outside and literally driving away i felt like I don't know why, but but I can see you, and her name's Cameron, and Cameron. And she was like taller than him, you know, pink face, white, white hair, like little surfer girl. And he was like this little kid, not even hit his growth yet. And I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord just is showing me this. You know, and I don't, I don't get that way. And so- So you're saying that you thought that, and your son wasn't even dating her yet. We had a life group with other families, and if anything, he was hanging out with one of the girls here who would just come over, and they were like little bros and friends, and everyone's like, oh, you know, maybe they'll, but it's just funny. So now I feel like I get that impression, and I'm not the impression guy. I'm not like, make your leg grow or whatever, yeah, chase yeah. fire tunnels. I'm the guy who's like conservative. So we're in Costa Rica, and they're out, and they come back in, and it's like, okay, funny. So now they're back home. This is that family, you know, the Bradley's youngest daughter, so they're used to going through it with three kids. But to us, this is our first kid, and we're like, what? The Bible says to treat other women like your mothers if they're older or your sisters if they're um, if they're younger. So I'm like, well, why even kiss a girl? We're gonna, you're not like making out with your sister or your mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being all extreme. But so what happens is through that whole bond of where we are, very protective, and they're still very protective. They have boundaries. Obviously, nothing before marriage, this, this. There's, he's 16, 10, and 17. She's just 16. So we have to have those conversations. Hey... We said he wouldn't court or date or whatever till a certain age, but because we're so close and they're so accountable and they're in youth group and no one's driving you, and we had to ride that thing out till they were 16, 17. And then here's the other thing. If, if kids are going to find a way to sneak booze out or go smoke, get stoned or look upon or do whatever, they're going to find a way. Right. You can't police someone at that age, and I get it. So we had to say, okay, Lord, we're trusting and I trust my son. Do I not doubt that if you and me are 16, 17, having girlfriends and they smell good and they're saying this and they're saying that and we're speaking about what marriage will be like, man, your mind goes there. The sad thing is that so many kids just jump into it and they just get exposed to it and then there's more shame. So we had them ride that whole thing out to of our being knowledge. friends. Friends, accountable, whatever. Right. And then even when they first... You know, it sounds funny talking about it all, but then we're a little bit closer as far as with hold hands, put their arms around each other. Okay. Like we're over here the other night and we're watching a movie, old Bugsy Malone. My kids are here. She's here with Dakota and they're sitting next to her on the couch. So we just have her family that's accountable. 
the two older sisters that are accountable, us asking the tough questions accountable. That's just it. See, that's the thing is uh, you're engaged with in engaged poor dudes is, in the next room, but yeah. you are engaged as a parent. That's you know, the, most, what you just said, engaged, that's it. Yeah, because most parents, I, I don't want to say most, a lot of parents, it's just like they just want to live in this idea that they just don't want to know. Yeah. So then it just lets and that's the, not really parenting. No, it's not because then you're just letting the kid navigate this themselves and shoot, if you're going to put me in this room with her and let me yeah. figure it out myself, well, I'm naturally going to figure out to do this thing because that's how I'm made. Well, you don't think, I mean, you like I said, back to the Instagram thing, you can be looking through anything and someone can post a very crazy thing that's almost pornographic and it's like it's there. I mean, I've yeah, I mean, you know, I have tons of friends who are like, oh, that's cool you're doing that on Instagram now, but I actually am not on social because media anymore that. because of the temptation. Because the wife's like, no, this is not what, you, I don't want you looking at this yeah. stuff over. And that's it's tough, man. It is. And so that's... And I've had those conversations over and over and over. Hey, you're doing this. Hey, you're doing, hey, it's not me. It's God. It's her dad. It's this. This is the things. And like you, I mean, we've walked through all the verses. We've done that. But so, so just coming back to yeah. like, you, you're having engaged conversation with them. You're, you're in it. And then I guess, let me ask this. Yeah. How are you setting your children up to have healthy, intimate relationships with their spouses one day? Well, you know, one of the things we go, we do good here is, and this is again going back to just John Piper stuff. When I was coming to faith, listening to all the uh, "Don't waste your life." Ask Pastor John, as you know, with anything, it's like this: you go to school, you might remember what you read, but it's more that you learn to read. So, getting up being a dad is like, what is your practice? Um, if I've blown it, if I've gotten mad at a time or frustrated or said something like, "Oh, why did I say this?" To my son, to my kids, it's like, look, at the end of the day, you know I'm fully dependent on Christ. On my best day and my worst day, that book's what I believe. These are the songs I wish I was singing all day. Um, I wish I could repent to every person I've wronged, if intentionally or not. And I want to go to my grave in Christ. That's the picture of Christianity. That's the Beatitudes. That's the gospel. That's the good news that I, a Jew would understand we're living towards this God. In the practical... It becomes, how do you live this out? I'm intentionally affectionate towards their mom. Um, I make a point of, I don't want anything around me exposed to me. I don't think it's right to crush on people or whatever. I mean, we just live in a flirty flirty state now. It's just everything's flirty. You get jobs by being flirty. You're working at yeah. Starbucks. Everyone's flirting. You're making, I mean, everyone's wearing their yoga pants. Everyone's trying to be Mr. GQ. It's just there. So we just make the point to be intentional about each other. And I'd rather even go through it with mom at times, which isn't crazy when it like all over the place. But I don't mind them even seeing us in our seasons, which I'm the guy that wants to fix any, everything right there. Being intentional and them knowing it's just dad and mom. That's that's our offering as a, as a couple. And the Bible, a life back to the Great Commission. That's a, back to it. And the Great Commission isn't separated from Christianity. That's whatever you do. Going doesn't mean go to Africa. I don't feel called to go to Africa. I'm going to Canada. I feel called there. You feel called to a podcast. Going is this passive verb that's like just go wherever you are. So our thing has become that book I wrote, a life of ministry. And if I was a businessman, it would be doing it under the Lord, learning to be loving, learning to be repentant. And listen, and humility preaches the most though. Mm. I mean, the greatest sin is pride because that's where it all begins with Satan, you know. So for us... I would think that if something happened with him and his girlfriend, they would feel it and know it and have to go repent to people. And if I asked them, be very open and clear, 
yeah we did in this and no it was so lame for us it would be such a big deal you know what i mean but that's the kind of pressure that we can put on each other and you need that accountability but that comes down to the individual you know you can have men at church who are like oh i got a porn problem don't look at those boobs don't look at this no no no. you're missing the point you're obsessed with your problem it's mm. go focus on what god's called you to do it's not like oh i just gotta i can't stop thinking about smoking weed by not thinking about it no that's that's the brainwashing that's the trap you know so we try and do things by example and yeah it sounds like you have a, a lot of open conversation with your kids like we're it sounds the like most you, open like I mean, you can talk about stuff yeah and then i know when he doesn't want to talk about stuff and i'm like and i i'm the guy that will say it i'm the guy well this 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 i i, I honestly so what do you mean you're the guy that'll say it you uh, mean well, call it out that you don't want to talk so well i'm the going guy on? that i get a phone call from people when things are bad they know brian's gonna tell me what do you do? And it's not like, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who's like, oh, you're, you're a dork and this, this, this. But I mean, I get a call when it's like, okay, it's bad. Like, so they know I'm going to go to bat for everyone. Like I'm for everyone. If you sinned, I'm for you. You know what I mean? Like That's that, what that, the church is. That's what the church is. It's like. Now, but that's not what people think it is. They don't but think it it's is that. that. It's not. It's not. It, it's look. I mean again back to that idea of just the marriage book there's so many people who've gone through so much crazy stuff god's a redemptive god are we living at a lower standard than we should be well that's sadly the story of the bible israel never had to be exiled they didn't need 400 years of bondage the red sea never needed to be parted none of these things had to happen they never had to actually be a noah's ark but this is fallen man now am i going to pastor a church if i ever did and say oh we all just like suck and we're lame and who cares no i'm going to preach holiness I'm going to preach the Great Commission. I'm going to preach pursuing, being diligent with your hands. And that's what we're living into. There's a big difference between the sins of commission and omission. You know, like, again, I'm preaching on the atonement this week because when you send the scapegoat out, and we need to hear this as believers, that goat, the blood was sent away. And when he disappears and the last guy goes, I can't see him no more. The idea is, oh, my sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. We don't know where the goat's gone and my sin's gone. And that literally meant to the Jews the sins I know I committed and the sins I don't know I committed. Yeah. And so that means to someone who's sitting there going, man, I got a porn problem. You know what? Yeah, you do. And here's the deal and I'll sell this to people. I don't think like this, but if you put 50 naked women in front of a load of men and sat them there and they love their wives and they don't want to cheat and they don't want to do anything... If you put them there for three days, are they going to begin to, if they start looking, have thoughts they shouldn't, think things they shouldn't, even go places in their mind they shouldn't? Yes, because Paul said, wretched man that I am. And that literally means if you and I committed a crime 2,000 years ago, your payment often would be they take a dead body and they tie it to you and you'd walk around with feces coming out of that body and eyeballs and goo and dead flesh. And Paul says, that's what the Christian life is. The dead Brian is right here. And every time you punch the person in the face, it'll feel great when you get pulled over and the cops chewing you out to be like, you know what I really think? But you've got to put that man to sleep. The idea that you want to go. And here's the thing. You should have a lower threshold of wanting to run into these sins because you set boundaries. I know men that when they went into a hotel, they tell the hotel, I will not stay in the room if there's a TV there. They don't even want to see the weather girl. They don't even want any. They don't even want a phone. Their wife has the passcode and I get it. So there's levels to all of this. Like yeah, everything. boundaries, setting good boundaries. So, and then letting your kids see that. Well, I God's mean, not going to break your fingers. Oh, I'm typing in this. My fingers are broke. No, God's like, 
I have given you the power that you're not using. Yeah. And and please, I hope no one feels the shame, but, but conviction's good. I mean, the goodness of the Lord leads us to repentance. My kids came in right now and said, what the bleep, bleep, bleep are you guys doing? I'd be like, really? This is how my kid represents me? Mm. And that's how I think Christianity and God presents it. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, this is good. So I want to ask a question because you, it, it matters to you. And then we'll, we'll wrap this up. It matters to you how your kid represents you. Yeah. So as a very strong man of faith... And having children. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you raise them up that that their identity isn't just we gotta be good because our dad has this image. Yeah. And I'm not hearing that. I'm not hearing yeah, yeah, that you yeah. have this image, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's like, okay, I have this identity that I'm very I feel very strong about and I'm bringing my children up. How do you let them also experience life to get to the places that they need to get? Ooh, that's tough. We're just, I'm an outward processor, so that's kind of how I work. Like, I normally, and maybe that's why I'm an evangelist. Most evangelists kind of think like that. Um, Like, my daughter at this age is starting, you know, I remember just being 13 and having OCD and starting to touch things and do that. And I'm seeing it in hair in little ways, and the hair is like this big deal to me. It's like, oh, yeah, this is just that age. I mean, babe, your your body's changing, your legs are growing, and teeth are going to start sticking out and and sure some chemicals are going places so i would get in the car after him might have told me something that she's happened and has happened in her day or whatever and i'll just like hey listen and i just try and get to it then speak life speak whatever and then and look and i me the hard thing is you our youngest is very wild crazy like almost oppositional so you have two He's nine, she's 12, so they're like best of friends or crazy. Mm. And sadly, in those moments, they won't listen unless it's like you have to raise your voice. And for some of the couples out there, listen, um, only a man can really raise a man. Like if you're a single mom, you can raise that kid and he's going to be just how God wanted him to. But I see my son and I see how he's acting like a man. My wife doesn't see that. She sees her baby. But when she sees my daughter, she sees a woman. I don't see that. I see my baby girl. So how I'm going to speak to my son is very different than my wife. And the classic thing to do, and I'm not, I'm not saying this anymore, but how many women say, well, he's always shouting. And I say, the, the number one thing to throw at men now is, well, you're emotionally abusive. So if a man shouts, he's emotionally abusive. He's built differently. His anatomy is different. His voice is going to be deeper. Women can be just as wild. But what I'm saying is, for me with my kids, my wife learned, because we were probably divorced, got back together, my oldest could almost get away with so much until she got to about he got to about nine or something. My wife realized, okay, if I interject everything that my husband's saying, I'm nullifying that voice, basically like castrating a man. You would say, you know mm. what I mean? And he's not hearing the dad's voice. And then likewise with my wife, for my daughter, I have to be able to step back and say, I need her to catch her as a woman. So that's where we had to learn the roles, and it's hard, dude. That right there. That last just, I mean, yeah, that is rich. But we have to that come is, to it. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> us listening now, you know, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to take that Well, because that if now. my youngest came in and he says this, 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 I'd be like, don't talk to your mom like that. And I remember saying, listen, my kids are great. My oldest, you should hire him. He is a stud. But the things he might have said to me or my wife, I don't mean cussing us out or whatever. And if he did, I've got grace all day. But that's things I'd said, she's my wife before she's your mom. And I know that's not even really what I mean. It's true. I want you to have the closest relationship. 
But if that was a kid that was crazy, I have to say those things to you. I have to address those things. Likewise, my daughter's going to unpack differently to my wife. And so, and, he, and here's just to, to summarize a lot of thoughts. When I'm going and preaching on marriage, which I am this weekend, we have friends, you know, you and me could be bros forever. I have my wife. I'm like, yeah, but you know, oh, our, our being physical is like this or that. And they're like, you're my best friend. Like, no, 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 you are. But my wife needs to be my best friend. Why? Because when we first met, what did we do? We related and we created a relationship. And that's what you lose in a marriage. You have a relationship when you're young. And man, she's pretty and she's attractive and she's cool and she loves me and she's texting me back and we're hanging out and now we're married. Well, now you're, you're on this trip and you're home and man, you smell this day and the food was this. And so now your relating becomes negative. That's how you've got to look at your family. How am I relating to my wife? It's a relationship. How am I relating to my kids? And here's the hard thing for everyone. You could just feel guilt and shame and say yes to your kids for everything and spoil them. And a spoiled kid is spoiled and there's more of them today. It's getting crazier, you know, than even our generation. But you're going to have to learn not to spare the rod. I mean, there's things that I know. And I told my son this once. I said, you know, if I think if I watch the Ninja Turtles, I'm a Ninja Turtles fan. I think to my sons, I'm more like a Raphael. I'm more like pretty serious. I'm going to go, look, you know what? If you go do this, these are going to be the consequences for you. And I'm like, God has given you a dad. And here's, here's the thing that's funny. God says man is the head. The woman can never be the head of the home. So what does that mean? That God has placed something on the man that he's not placed on the woman. And likewise, there's a mystique on a woman that is not in the man. Right. It's not good that he's alone. I need that woman. Yeah. But that also means my son can get advice from many men, but I'm his dad. And there's just a different, I'm not saying I'm always going to say the right thing and someone else doesn't have the greatest wisdom. I mean, if I didn't have men who wrote all these books, like, yeah, I, he goes and sits with his youth pastor. He has great, he has great men in his life. But there's also something that when you come sit with your dad and say, hey, but I'm going to go to bat way different for you. I'm going to say things you don't want to hear sooner that you might leave mad. That's not the intention, but you know, I love you. And I remember that about my dad, you know, saying things. Yeah. <laughs> My son's leaving his room right now after we've exposed everything. No, but that's the thing is, is the relating is where you, and you know, I know I started with talking about guys like John Piper and Ravi Zacharias, but it was Ravi who said, because my son used to play baseball a lot. He said, go to the baseball game and um, when he's playing, relate to him there. Go to jujitsu. When your daughter's painting her nails. You know, a lot of my day, I get so busy that we just got a pet lizard the other day. See you later, bud. But when... My daughter will come home, they'll get the lizard and go, Daddy's cold, Daddy's this, Daddy's that. Those moments, and here's the thing though, it's hard guys, you have bills to pay, your wife wants the house clean, and you guys wanna be physical, you wanna date, life is just messy. I don't know anyone, listen, there's exactly enough time in every day, but we don't get it right. The fact that John Piper wrote, we're not professionals, the fact the Bible says we know in part, and my wife's going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. You're going to blow it. This perfection idea, this money never sleeps. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so, wearing us out. It's but, creating anxiety. But then do we just uh, just own that and be like, oh, just take a deep breath and be like, this is what it is. That's so, what so you have to do and be active. Yeah, because then it's it's that's why it's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Like, stop trying to think that's that tomorrow hard. is going to be better. That's very hard. And here's why. I preach on the Ten Commandments and you get to the Sabbath and you're like, oh, what does this even mean? 
it's so radical because for 400 years Israel never had rest every day they worked every single day and so Pharaoh wanted the production the production the production now we become Christians think about even the Old Testament go out and collect the quail or whatever it was in the wilderness if you take extra it's going to be stale and God was saying you need to trust me what Sabbath living in is do I trust God with my nine to five? Do I trust God with my spouse? Do I trust God with my life? Because listen, there is exactly enough time in today for me to do this podcast, go eat with my family in a minute. We, you know, when we, we'll go eat some vegan place my wife wants to. I'll come home, I'll pack my bags, hang out with my kids, go to the airport in the morning. My daughter's going. There's exactly enough time in that whole week for me to have written these sermons, be in prayer, navigate it. Some people won't like the time. I'm gonna mess up at some time. But I have to live in that mess knowing that's Christianity. And do I trust the Lord in that? Because if not, I'm going to keep working that Sabbath life where I am all about production. And this is where I think the enemy's working the most. How many ads come up on your Facebook or your Instagram? It's a guy in front of a Bentley. It's a guy in front of whatever. Even Elon Musk, who's a genius, I love hearing from the guy. People will work 80 hours a week to then eventually have to only work 10. I get what you're saying. But I would never counsel a man to work 80 hours a week and expect to have a good relationship with his wife and yeah. his kids. When you get down to that 10 hours, everything's going to be gone. And what's your God in <laughs> All that the situation? Stuff you care for. That's the point. So resting in, back to your point, I'm, I'm circling around. This is what, you know, as past as we think. It's messy. So for my wife, you know, and I'll, I'll be... I'm open. I mean, our book goes into this. It's called Never Fails if people are wondering. Yeah, I'm going to post a picture up on Instagram. But for my wife, you know, when you first get married, you go, wait a minute. So is this like the time of the month? And now in my head, I can go, okay. No, and my wife's not even crazy. She's not one of those women that goes, oh, it's, I'm crazy. Yeah. But I know if I'm preaching, I'm more sensitive the last few hours or a few days because it's, you know, she has a raw foods little business she's doing. If she's got something to do that weekend, she's going to be more sensitive. That means you're understanding where people are and what's going on. Bible says live with your wives in an understanding way. I think you have to live in life in an understanding way with biblical contentment. Our home is 1,700 square foot. Our mortgage is a 1000 something dollars. I get to live in California. Am I really willing for whatever the Lord has me go through to preach wherever, to do whatever, to be involved in whatever? Do I really trust you, God? If I do, and we're both living into that, it shouldn't be that crazy. Yeah. Unless sin is taken over, unless I'm idle in certain areas, and, and, and we are. We're, we're spiritually immature. I, no one prays like Jesus did. No one preaches like Jesus did. But we can imitate Paul, and if people listening are repentant, if there's humility, if they get planted in a biblical church where, where there's accountability, God is there pastoring your marriage already. So there's no reason. And the thing is, you just got to love those kids the way you can. Guys, please forgive yourselves. Have grace with your spouse. Yeah, that's a huge one. Uh, yeah, Guys so are too hard on themselves. We'll be, we'll be caused back to that perfection and everything's right. And look, back to my point, I'll get on a flight and go, man, how was I with my son this week? How was I with my daughter? How was I with my wife? Not because of crazy things, but just like I start and I go, man, the Bible says all the creation cries out in groans for the revealing of the sons of God. This is not our home. It is alien. We are here as his witness, as a living epistles. This is what we need. We need to live in the mess where it's dark as the light. And, and we're going to blow it times. And I'm not trying out of its agenda when I go to Canada to sneak off and do something crazy. I'm not planning all these things. I'm not. But when I say something, like I go outside right now and someone's keying your car, and I was like, what? 
And in my head, I'm like, I know Jiu-Jitsu. I'm going to take this guy down. And then his friend comes and tackles me and swearing at me. And what if I swear? What am I going to do? What if the cop, what am I going to do? Like, it all plays out and sin can be there. So I'm just saying, you know. (laughs) So... Man, it's good. I uh, how many how many minutes did we go today? One thirteen. Okay, wow. Yeah. See, a good conversation is like an hour long. Well, I'm speaking a lot. This is kind of like three episodes in one. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you sharing about fatherhood because I know just, I mean, all of it, fatherhood's a level playing field. So yes. it doesn't matter what I do, what you do. At the end of the day, you and I are, yeah. are navigating this fatherhood thing, and you've made some amazing decisions to to be a man who's engaged with your fa- with your family, yeah. right? To be early 20s and to go, there's something here. I want to fight for this woman. Yeah. There's something here. I want to fight for my kid. I'm not going to leave this house. I'm going to fight for this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to rebel again and again and again. I'm going to keep going is. after it. <laughs> yeah. And I and so to, to be able to hear that from a man and to be able to, to share that with others is huge because, man, our world is hungry. And my belief at the core, I believe... Yeah. And I'm a Christian, yeah. Okay, but I believe that if men knew who they were mm-hmm. as fathers, the world would look different. Of course, okay? it would. And and if, if we understood, I mean, even how you talk about my role with my son and my daughter and my wife's role, if we started mm-hmm. to embrace that stuff yeah. and not just think of ourselves all the time. Now it's true, man. At the back, at the core, <laughs> the center of this is a way that I believe we were brought into this world. Yeah. We were designed. We are in the image of God. Yep. Fatherhood is a thing, the way that I'm talking about this. Mm-hmm. And so, man, you're an in- intentional dad. You fought for your family. You continue to fight for your family. You continue to be intentional with how you spend your time with your kids, with 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 people, with community. And so, I mean, writing this book never never fails marriage yeah. and, and preaching the gospel and loving your family. Man, it is incredible. And I appreciate you sharing Um with, yeah. with all of us. And I even just want to say, you know, maybe it's more the Lord, guys. There's things that I've said or done or we fought about or my kids have gotten crazy about with each other that I wouldn't want to share. It's not like I'm like, hey, I'm just this guy. I'm not hearing that at all. I'm not the Sunday guy, guy who's like, because I'm in the Word, you know, three days that, that week before I preach. The church I go to, those pastors are open. They're vulnerable. Their goal is to live above reproach. But I'm saying, guys, you're going to say stupid stuff. You're going to respond in ways you wish you didn't. Women women love to be quiet and it builds up for three months and they go say something stupid or do something stupid and it it's crazy. But get in the word, get in those books that help, get these things like podcasts out, go share stuff like this if this has blessed you. People, listen, I'm getting posted today about a guy, a pastor who's like reaching out to my friend who's overseeing big churches and he's like suicidal and struggling and he's thinking of ways to take his life and it's like, man... But as kids keep saying little things, these people, like they've said that a man will walk across a bridge and fight with his wife or have someone say something or lose his job or doubt. And if he jumped off the bridge on the way down, he's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Life's crazy. But guys, we don't have it all together. God does. It's not that we're perfect. We are in him. We're being perfected. Guys, there's hope. Get into the word. Get to know him. Guys, reach out to any of us either of us to just help for prayer for whatever it may be so yeah awesome <laughs> that's good brian thank you so much man for opening up your home and let me be here appreciate it awesome you guys god bless man i know what you're thinking i can't believe that episode is over already as i re-listen to that i'm just smiling so engaged listening to brian talk he is so contagious with his joy as we sat there 
You know, he's just smiling from ear to ear, just happy to be alive. He shared so many wonderful things with us about fatherhood and marriage and relationships and faith. It was really a wonderful conversation and uh, just have mad respect for that dude. A couple things that stuck out to me. Um, he said, parenting, there's no right way. There's your way. And that is just straight up true to the heart of Rebel and Create. He said, you could be a lot of things, but you can only be the dad to your kids. Like that's the only dad they got. So that is just incredible. Um, I loved how he talked about the roles of a mom and dad in a kid's life. One statement he said for us dudes, he's like, only a man can raise a man. Just the importance that you and I got to be engaged with our kid. There were so many things he said. Um, I just, I think that's one you could re-listen to. It was really good. Um, I got his book sitting here on my desk. I can't wait to get into it. You can get it on Amazon. It's called Never Fails Marriage. Um, Brian also has a podcast called Foolishness. I've listened to probably six, seven episodes the last couple of weeks. And it's just that same fiery joy um, talking about life uh, in his interviews. So check those out. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That's who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And please, please, if you enjoyed this episode, write a review, like it, share it. Fatherhood matters. The only way that word spreads is if you spread it. Please go like us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And, uh, Go over to Kickstarter. It's a crowdfunding website. Check out the Fatherhood Legacy Journal. We are almost there. I would love for you guys to get a journal. We're like 95% funded uh, as I record this. Uh, So now it's just get more journals in the hands of dudes who have found themselves on the adventure of fatherhood. Talk to you next time. (music) 